that time again for another episode of the Chief Stone Podcast. I appreciate all of you downloading and listening in to the Chief Stone Podcast. My name is Farzim Vesugan, your host of the Chief Stone Podcast. Hope your week is going very well. Very exciting show planned for you. A lot to get into here on this episode. A lot of news this week. A lot of uh, surprises this week. A uh, lot to get into. Robert Rimson of the Chiefs Wire. Uh, part of USA Today. He will be joining us later on in the podcast. And some Chiefs news this week. Patrick Mahomes was on Jimmy Fallon on Monday evening. Um, aired on Monday night technically, but you get the idea. Uh, Mahomes was on Fallon. And the Chiefs have made a couple of acquisitions. One via trade, getting Browns defensive end Emmanuel Ugba. And also signing tight end Blake Bell. We will talk about those two additions and what that means for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's really worth looking over this Chiefs defense right now. All of the acquisitions they have made, not just personnel-wise, but also with the coaching staff. A lot of big changes made on that defense. So we'll talk about that as well. Plus, the Alliance of American Football is pretty much over. Just like that. Uh, I really want to get into that because I think that is very important. And how does that impact the Chiefs and the NFL? It's very interesting. I know a lot of you guys told me you guys were following the AAF. And I think that is a conversation worth having on this podcast. I'm on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Give me a follow and a like on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast as well. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the share button as well. Hit those links and spread the word about the Chief Zone podcast. Like I said, want to get into some of the new Chiefs players in Kansas City. Going to get into that. Look over this uh, new defense right now that the Chiefs are putting together. And uh, we'll wrap up the podcast with Robert Rimson. But first, I really want to get into this AAF topic, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but if you haven't followed the story closely, the uh, AAF operations are currently suspended right now. They have not officially folded yet, but everyone is anticipating it unhappening. Pretty much the the situation is at the one-yard line, and if... If they punch it in, well, it's pretty much folded right now. So it's uh, it's not a very good look right now for the AAF. Uh, a lot of money lost in this, and I'll get to that number in just a moment. But uh, this is this is not a ratings issue, to be clear. And I don't know what the ratings were uh, for recent games. I believe they were seven weeks into the season in a 10-week regular season. Uh, seven weeks in, and they could not finish it. It's, again, not a ratings issue, but it's due to the NFLPA having a very strict rule, a restriction, essentially, regarding whether their players, their younger players, uh, can play in the AAF. Uh, If someone tries out for an NFL team, and even if they don't make it, they cannot go straight to the AAF, I guess. And that's really what the issue is with the AAF uh, about to fold right now. Uh, and this is a, a disaster for a lot of people all around. I know is, is Steve on the Facebook page mentioned that there was some sort of an issue with with employees getting paid. I know um, 
it's very it's a very unfortunate matter right now. Uh, Therese Paler wrote a very interesting article. I retweeted it. If you guys haven't, go check it out. About how you know, yeah, sure, there are a lot of people kind of poking around and making jokes about this situation, but there are players, man, that use this as a second chance to hone their skills and perhaps get a few eyes uh, from NFL scouts, uh, teams, essentially. And that's, of course, the point of a developmental league. Uh, but that was not the case, man. I mean, he talked about that, how there was one player in Orlando who just was announced a starter and was hoping to keep thriving in that situation and, and, and get some opportunities, and now he's no longer going to get those chances. Um, there's a gal who used to write for Arrowhead Addict. She became a team reporter for one of the teams. I can't remember which one. Uh, but she She's basically the B.J. Kissel of that team. Uh, what, what BJ Kissel does for the Chiefs, but uh, she announced on her Twitter that she is no longer employed with that team and was let go. So the writing's on the wall. Uh, e- even employees for these AAF teams are out the door. And I don't know exactly, you know, I, I'm not anticipating, you know, a big office like the Chiefs have or the, the, the Patriots, whoever, uh, any NFL team you want to name. I'm sure it's a much smaller group. Uh, you probably have people in, in ticket sales, PR. Uh, but I imagine these people, given that it is the AAF, that they have other jobs out there. I, I don't think that anyone worked full-time in uh, for an AAF team, by all means. Uh, but it's a very crappy situation. Uh, CBS uh, is definitely hurting from this as well. CBS was actually playing... They, they had a pretty... Nice layout for Saturday. CBS was planning on airing AAF games that would lead into Final Four pregame coverage. And then they would air the two games on Saturday night. That is three hours of airtime right now that CBS needs to fill up. As as does NFL Network. Uh, any other channels as well that, that, that plan on airing a game this weekend. Now, you might think three hours. Okay, well that's... Not a lot. It kind of is in television. Uh, now, maybe you can find reruns of popular shows on there. I mean, maybe you could put CSI, Big Bang Theory, whatever uh, CBS has, whatever their top shows are right now. Uh, I'm not too familiar with some of these uh, television shows. I know Big Bang's on there. It's a pretty big one. I know CSI is a big one on there as well. So perhaps you could just put reruns of those shows on there. Maybe you put, maybe you have more pregame coverage of the Final Four. I, I, I don't know. Uh, that's uh, something that CBS, CBS is going to have to decide on that. But uh, that, that's not easy to have to fill those three hours. The easiest thing you could do, as I mentioned, you could rerun a, a popular episode of a TV show, uh, a couple of different shows. Uh, if you want to do more pregame coverage, well, that's going to be a lot more work. And, and I mean, what, five, six hours of pregame coverage for the Final Four seems a bit much. But, uh, hey, you have it for the Super Bowl. I get it's a different spectacle than the Final Four, but... Who knows uh, these days? CBS could use that to bask in more viewers in the late morning all the way through mid-evening uh, leading up to those games, I guess. if uh, I mean, Some people can't take enough of that stuff, but neither here nor there. Uh, here's my question. How in the hell is the XFL going to succeed? Because with the AAF coming at the time when the AAF was getting ready to launch and the XFL... About a year away uh, at that point, I think a lot of people thought, okay, this is interesting. We've got a couple of developmental football leagues right now. 
is, but is it going to succeed? And people thought that in the social media era right now that these leagues had a had a shot. Uh, the XFL had a better shot uh, of surviving much longer than they did the first time. But everyone is saying that name recognition and WWE's new deal with Fox Sports is going to help. How? The AAF had CBS and NFL Network as broadcast partners. The first XFL had The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, promoting these football games. And it didn't work. And people want to say, Fox, well, the AAF had CBS, which which is generally... The uh, higher rated channel than, than Fox. I mean, they're all big, don't get me wrong, but uh, you had CBS, which is the top channel out there. If you remember, WWE and NBC, they lost $30 million each after the XFL failed, uh, and it was mostly due to ratings declining and also attendance numbers not living up to expectations. Listen, Whenever the XFL starts up, there's going to be... A lot of people are going to watch in week one. And I can already see it right now. XFL ratings thrive in week one. Well, there was a huge curiosity factor seeing how Vince McMahon and how the WWE are going to try to tackle this a second time around. Yes, I don't have any doubts that Vince McMahon has more money, but does he have someone bigger than The Rock right now? I mean, I know John Cena. I don't don't know exactly who's in the WWE right now. I'm sure John Cena, they'll use him. I'm sure they'll use Ronda Rousey to help promote uh, these games. I know Daniel Bryan is a big name. Uh, I don't know who else is big right now in the WWE. Uh, so forgive me on that. I know Brock Lesnar is there. Although I don't know if Brock... I don't think Brock Lesnar is necessarily the best promotional tool for these football games. Then again, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. But uh, the, these games right now, man, uh, I'm just not sure how this is all going to pan out. And how this impacts the Chiefs and the NFL, well, look, uh, there are a lot of former Chiefs players uh, that are playing right now. A lot of Chiefs, in fact. They know Aaron Murray, uh, a quarterback who was drafted out of Georgia by the Chiefs. He's uh, currently playing for the uh, Georgia team out of Atlanta. And I don't have the team names memorized. I apologize. I mean, it's AAF. No, with all due respect, I know a lot of players and a lot of employees are struggling because they're losing jobs here. I will say this. I don't know if any lawsuits could come out of this, but man, uh, I mean, these players signed contracts. These employees signed deals. Uh, I mean, there was there was a preconceived notion that this league was going to be around for a while, and that's no longer the case. Tom Dundon, by the way, who was the new owner of the AAF, uh, also a majority owner of the Carolina Hurricanes in the NHL, he's lost $70 million in investment. For the AAF. That's pretty bad. That's really bad. Uh, Again, not a ratings issue. Uh, Even though their ratings weren't great after week one. I know head-to-head they beat uh, an NBA game on ABC. Uh, But their ratings did go down. And again, that wasn't an issue. In fact, there wasn't a lot of marketing for the AAF. And they were doing well without that. But it's more of an issue about younger players from the NFL being made available but due to d- these restrictions from the NFLPA, that's hurting the AAF. And people are saying, hey, look, why doesn't the NFLPA cooperate? And my response is, okay, look, the AAF is not a threat to the NFL. But at the same time, what obligation does the NFL Players Association have 
to anybody else out there. They don't. And again, it, it sounds cruel, but they truly don't give a damn. Uh, in fact, if anything, they're probably glad that this is happening because they know that CBS and NFL Network are airing these games and now there's less attention on other football leagues and now NFL Network has to find more programming and they're going to have to find more NFL coverage to to fill those hours that they had planned the rest of the year. Uh, again, by all means, the AAF's never a threat. The XFL, not a threat either, uh, but... The NFLPA doesn't give a damn about these leagues. They just don't. I'm not sure exactly what restrictions the NFLPA will have with the XFL. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting battle when the time comes. But I don't know if uh, the XFL is going to struggle with that necessarily. Again, the XFL had a ratings issue back then. What kind of, of ratings will they have in week one? And how will, can they carry that into weeks down the road? That's going to be something to keep an eye on. With the XFL. It's a crappy situation. And again, there was an opportunity for some of these players to shine. And maybe for the Chiefs to pick up. Maybe bring back a player who they drafted before. Maybe there was something that they did not learn before. And perhaps they could have brought that player back. And tried to utilize him a little bit more. Uh, You never know. Uh, You never know with these kinds of leagues. I, I think a developmental football league would be great. Yes, you have... The Indoor Football League. You have uh, the Arena League. You've got the Canadian Football League. Different styles of football in those leagues. Uh, obviously, in Canada, it's a, it, you have three downs rather than four downs. In the Arena League, I mean, it's obviously a much smaller size field that you're dealing with. And, of course, uh, fewer players on the field. Uh, this was the closest thing you had to the NFL. And now this is not going to be a, a thing now. I think the NFL should have some sort of developmental league out there, but they don't seem to want that. Listen, there are so many players out there that want to keep playing football, but they just don't have the chance. And I mentioned this last podcast, but you know, if these players can't play elsewhere uh, their rookie year, or what, what could have been their rookie year in the NFL, they start losing interest and they start going out to other job ventures out there. Maybe they start using their college degrees and by that point, man, they got their their career's going, and they don't have a lot of interest in playing football again. So, not exactly sure what the NFL wants to do as far as the developmental league goes, but obviously they don't seem to have any interest in that right now. At least that's what it looks like with the NFLPA uh, not wanting to allow their players to go. And again, uh, this sounds cruel, but why would they? Why would they? Let me know your thoughts on this. Uh, I, I posted a couple of times about this, and I wasn't sure what kind of a reaction this story would get, but a lot of you guys are talking about this, and that's why we're talking about it on the podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzim with Sugian. Uh, go uh, post on any of the uh, uh, on any of the posts that I have published on there. Go uh, react to that, comment on that, whatever you want to do. You can also tweet me at Farzine 21 Let me know your thoughts on that as well. All right, let's get away from all of that, and let's talk about some of the Chiefs news because there's a lot of that to get into. First thing... Uh, the Chiefs traded for defensive end Emmanuel Ugba, uh, trading away safety Eric Murray in really what I think is a big steal for the Chiefs when it comes to a trade. Uh, a lot of people like doing this, so I went ahead and did this. I went ahead on Madden, and I tried to make the trade, and there was absolutely no interest from the Browns. So for whatever that is worth to you, uh, and. I think we need to get into the details of that, by the way, because uh, 
This does come off as a very unfair trade for Cleveland and a big pickup for the Chiefs. If you look at both Ugba and Murray, and by the way, Ugba, uh, and I mentioned this uh, earlier this offseason, but April the 1st, that is the first day of team meetings for NFL teams that have new coaches. Anyone else that has a returning head coach, they have to wait until April the 15th before they can start their team meetings, but uh, that'll obviously be underway very soon for the Chiefs. But for the Browns, Ugba did not attend team meetings for the uh, for the Browns, rather. Now, both Murray and Ugba have been in the NFL for three years. Ugba's three-year career, not too bad. Second-round pick out of Oklahoma State, 12 and a half sacks, 70 tackles. And these are all career numbers, by the way. 12 and a half sacks, 70 tackles, two forced fumbles, 17 pass deflections. He has played and started 40 games. He's pl- always started every time he's been available, and he's only missed eight games in his career, so not too bad. Murray's three-year career, he has started 11 games total. He's missed just three games in his career, one interception, one sack, 99 tackles. Nine of those starts came this year, by the way. In what world is this an even trade? I don't know any NFL team that would trade away Emmanuel Ugba for Eric Murray. And that's not to say Eric Murray can't be great. Sure, he's going to be given a chance. And in Cleveland, he had nine starts in Kansas City. But it's not like Eric Murray was putting up solid numbers, unlike Ugba, who put up decent numbers with the Browns. So I'm not exactly sure what it is that the Browns saw. And sure, I get it. John Dorsey, he drafted Eric Murray. But, I mean, come on. Uh, This is is not a... a, For the Chiefs to not even throw in a draft pick there, I'm pretty impressed with Brad Veach on this one. I really am. I think think Brad Veach kind of stuck it to Dorsey and said, Hey, look, for all the times you screwed us over with our cap situation, I mean, we had to release some players because of you. I think you owe, if you really want Eric Murray, you owe us a big one here. I guess that's how the conversation went down. I don't know, but this is a uh, pretty nice pickup for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll get into their defense shortly. But man, I really like what, what Kansas City's putting together right now uh, on the defense. And with Ugba, you're getting a guy that can go out there and, and, and swat some passes. We're going to talk about that a little bit with Robert Remsen later on when he joins us here on the podcast, but man, this is a this is a defensive end that can go out there and, and make some plays, and maybe he's going to get better chances, maybe play under a better coaching staff in, in, in Kansas City. You've obviously got Steve Spagnuolo as your defensive coordinator, you've got Brandon Daly as your defensive line coach, and he's coached a lot of great defensive linemen in New England. So how can you bring that over to Kansas City and now getting Ugba as a defensive end to work with? That is going to be very important to watch. And I think that's something that can maybe help Ugwa's career as he walks into his fourth season in the NFL. First time joining a new team. And by the way, Pro Football Focus did a really nice job of putting this out uh, very clearly. Uh, here was Ugwa's uh, 2018 snap positioning. He played uh, four snaps as a right edge defender. Only four. As a left edge defender, 370 snaps. As a right defensive interior, he lined up there 76 times. As a left defensive interior, lined up there 412 times. 
lined up as a nose tackle just once in 2018. In 2017, uh, kind of similar as, as far as percentages go. Uh, as a right edge defender, just 12 times. Left ed- edge defender, 276 times. Uh, right defensive interior, 17 times. Left Defensive interior, 156 times. Never lined up as a nose tackle once. Did it just once in 2018. So this guy's a left defensive end. And if you look at some of the additions the Chiefs have had, they obviously signed Alex Okafor from the New Orleans Saints earlier this offseason. Alex Okafor was a right defensive end. So the Chiefs have found their right end and their left end. Alex Okafor, the right end. Emmanuel Ugba, the left end. Now, this does beg the question of what's going to happen with... To know Passignon and Breland Speaks. I've, I've mentioned this many times. These are guys who were recently taken in the second round uh, by the Chiefs. Uh, Passignon was taken in 2017. Breland Speaks was taken in last year's second round. He was the first draft pick for the Chiefs. And again, uh, obviously not first round picks, but second rounders. I mean, you can find some, some starting uh, quality guys, starting caliber guys in the second round of an NFL draft. And these are guys who haven't necessarily had opportunities to start a whole lot. Obviously, Justin Houston, he's missed some time. So that's allowed some of these guys to get some more playing time. Uh, but we haven't seen them really get that full offseason exposure where they have the first team reps in OTAs and in training camp. And they are named the opening day starter going into week one for the Chiefs. We haven't seen that yet. Yet, here are the Chiefs right now signing a right defensive end and a left defensive end, guys who have a lot of starting experience, especially in 2018 with their respective teams in Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Ugba. So that's going to be very interesting to see what direction the Chiefs go. Obviously, at this point, it doesn't look like the Chiefs are going to be drafting a pass rusher in the first round. And if they do, that would be a surprise to me, man. Uh, you, you, you've added two really good players to your defensive line, two really good defensive ends. I don't think they brought in Okafor and Ugba to be backups here. Now, I still think Breland Speaks and Tino Pastino, they provide some good depth. And there are guys who you'll see a lot in rotation. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Chiefs manage that in 2019. Now, OTAs are going to be very interesting. You're going to keep a very close eye on those positions right there. And same thing goes for training camp. I think the uh, conversation with those positions will heat up around that time. But let's take a quick look at the defense right now. You added defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, Brandon Daly, Matt House, and David Merritt are your position coaches. Daly, the defensive line and the run game coordinator. Matt House, the linebacker coach uh, coming out of Kentucky as a defensive coordinator. And David Merritt, your secondary coach. And as far as personnel goes, we mentioned Okafor, we mentioned Ugba. Outside linebacker Damian Williams, or excuse, excuse me, Damian Wilson Uh, Williams is, of course, a running back for the Chiefs, but Damian Wilson, an outside linebacker coming out of Dallas, Bashad Breland and Tyron Matthew. Uh, Breland, of course, the cornerback, and Matthew, the safety. These are two guys who the Chiefs wanted last offseason, could not get them, and they got them this offseason. And I asked you guys, what are your thoughts on this defense as it's coming together right now? Jason wrote an interesting comment on the Facebook page. He said, well, how a team looks, quote, on paper is meaningless to me. 
What I am impressed with is that teams desire to try to make a change. They knew what caused the failure last year as well as the year before made moves this season to improve. Maybe we will be better. Maybe we'll be similar. We won't know till we start playing meaningful games, but at least we didn't try the same thing again like the year before. As long as we are trying to improve, I will be satisfied. And I think that's a very fair take from Jason. Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we've seen in sports so many uh, so many great teams on paper, but they don't pan out sometimes uh, on the field or on the court, uh, depending on the sport. So this is going to be interesting for the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, sure. And listen, I don't think you're better off with Okafor and Ugba compared to Ford and Houston. But you're at least doing some things right. And sure, there were some contract issues with those guys, and that's what led to the changes. But this is a defense that, man, and I think based off just coaching alone, you have to see improvement from that 31st-ranked defense. And sure, you might be saying, Farzine, it's not that hard to improve from 30-31. You're absolutely right. I'm expecting significant improvement. You've got to be at least in the top 20. I think you're making a lot of moves right now, and you still have the draft to go. But you're making a lot of great moves on this defense right now. This is a defense that, again, this team has been very active, especially on the defensive end. And there are a lot of players that the Chiefs can consider in the draft. You still have the draft to come, which is the most exciting part as we talk about improvement with this defense. I want to hear from you guys on this because this is something that we've been having a lot of Discussions about, and it's going to continue as the offseason goes on. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Last thing I want to t- touch on before we touch uh, go into Mahomes uh, appearing on Jimmy Fallon. The Chiefs did sign tight end Blake Bell, who played quarterback at Bishop Carroll Catholic High School in Wichita, Kansas. Drafted out of Oklahoma. This is, of course, the belldozer. For those of you who follow Big 12 football, you guys remember this guy. Uh, came in in goal line situations or third and inches, third and one situations to help Oklahoma uh, move the chains. And he was very successful in doing so and played a lot of tight end uh, near the end of his college career. So I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I, we haven't seen so much of the creativity. I remember against the New York Giants where the Chiefs had that silly pass where uh, Alex Smith threw to Travis Kelsey and Kelsey goes for Albert Wilson on a... Nice cannon arm there, but an inaccurate pass when the game is tied against a very bad football team and you're relying on a terrible executed trick play here. Uh, We haven't seen so much of of those trick plays from the Chiefs. We're not seeing a lot of creativity. I know we've seen that with Tyree Kill, but that's really it. I want to see the Chiefs do more of that because you've got a lot of speed in your tight end in Kelsey, the best tight end in the NFL. Even before Gronk's retirement, you've got a lot of speed with your receivers and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. And I think Demarcus Robinson can show some of that as well, uh, especially with Chris Conley moving on. You've got talented running backs. Uh, Damian Williams showed a lot of great things this year, especially in that AFC Championship game. So you've got a lot of great players on this offense right now. Now that you add Blake Bell, I think you know the jury's still out on him. You want to see him... Show, show himself in OTAs, training in, in training camp, and preseason games too. But I think Blake Bell is a guy who can definitely earn a spot on the roster, especially with Demetrius Harris moving on to Cleveland following John Dorsey there. This is a this is a tight end that can do some things. Uh, and again, I, I, I'm not expecting... 
them to do it often, but hey, look, if it's third and goal and you're trying to move the chains against a very good defense, who's to say Blake Bell is not going to be in there lined up as a fullback, possibly taking a handoff or maybe on a trick play gets uh, gets a gets a fake to throw off the defense or maybe they fake it to a running back and pass the bell. Uh, a lot of things you can do in that situation with uh, with Blake Bell. And if you look at his career, 30 catches off 43 targets for 357 yards, no touchdowns, mostly used as a pass blocker and does very well in that category according to Pro Football Focus. And Pro Football Focus also mentioned the last two years, 13 targets, not a whole lot, but for what it's worth to you, no drops. Targeted 13 times. And given Kelsey, he struggled in that AFC Championship game. Yes, he did have the first touchdown, but did drop the uh, football a couple of times in key situations for the Chiefs. Uh, and that is something that if you want to go to a tight end on a really important moment, well, you've got a reliable tight end who recently has not dropped a pass. And that's uh, something that really bodes well under any offense, especially under Andy Reid's style, where you do see a lot of that West Coast creativity where we haven't seen a lot of the trick plays necessarily. And I, I wonder if you can maybe start doing some of that because you you have so many great players. And Blake Bell, I think, is someone who fits that bill that can maybe get involved on those trick play situations a little bit more. So that that I, I'm excited to see. Uh, the Belldozer now making his way to Kansas City. If you guys saw this uh, on Monday night, Jimmy uh, Fallon had a really nice show, and he had Patrick Mahomes as uh, the last guest on his show. Uh, a lot to talk about. If you missed any of the uh, any of the appearances, if, if you missed all of it, uh, hey, I got you guys covered right now. Uh, Mahomes was on there. Obviously, uh, his alma mater, Texas Tech, moving on to the Final Four for the first time ever. Uh, they started off talking about that. I know you uh, went to school in Texas Tech. Yeah, sure. uh, you got to be you had a big weekend. Oh, a huge weekend! Uh, yeah, the you, Final Four. Final uh, Four. Did they have in my bracket? They oh, were. You have them in the bracket? Yeah, I had them in there. I thought I was the only one in America that had Texas Tech in the Final Four. Yeah, I have them right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I have them in the Final Four. I see you don't have them winning the national championship. Well, though. it doesn't matter. But that, I mean, <laughs> we, not, we don't need the attention to detail. Please, <laughs> come on. Uh, Jimmy Fallon then pointed out that Mahomes. Didn't play his rookie year, only played in one game, and then obviously had that phenomenal year, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 passing yards, and he asked if it was frustrating at all having to sit back for a year. First season rookie year, you're a backup quarterback. You played one game. Yes, sir. This last season, you you had like 50 touchdowns and (laughs) threw for 5,000 yards? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how – Wow. What, what was the what was the rookie what was the first season like was that frustrating yeah, yeah the first season I don't want to say it was frustrating I right. mean as a competitor you want to play sure. I was blessed to be put in a great situation without Alex Smith in front of me the greatest dude the greatest teammate one of the greatest leaders I've ever met wow. and he was someone that uh, he taught me a ton he taught me a lot and it, and it showed off this this last season where I was able to jump in there uh, kind of take off take off wherever he left it off and uh, had a lot of teammates that made me look really really well <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they made you look great uh, yeah uh, they did yeah you did, you did a great job that, this is interesting every time Mahomes gets asked about that rookie season he always brings up Alex Smith and always credits him and, and talks about how great he was how how gracious he was uh just basically providing all that knowledge and education to Mahomes about that quarterback spot because a lot of people are talking about the Kansas City model now people don't realize sure the Chiefs 
they had a Pro Bowl quarterback in Alex Smith. And, and maybe that's why this Kansas City model with Mahomes worked so well. Uh, not every NFL team will have that luxury when they draft a rookie and have him sit behind someone. Uh, there's a reason why teams will, will will draft him, even in Kansas City's case, where they already had a Pro Bowl quarterback. So that's uh, that's always interesting that uh, he he credits Mahomes and or he credits Smith rather. And the reason I say that does Aaron Rodgers. And I understand Alex Smith and Brett Favre are two different guys. Uh, Mahomes was behind Smith and Rodgers was behind Favre. Uh, and I understand the Favre situation was really weird because it maybe lasted longer than some thought. But does does Aaron Rodgers, did, did he ever praise Favre or credit him with, with some of the knowledge that he passed on? I, 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 don't, I don't know if I ever recall Rodgers ever doing that. I, I hear Mahomes... Every single time, whether it's a local interview or a national interview, when the topic of his rookie season gets brought up, he always mentions Alex Smith. Always does. And I think that just kind of that just really goes to show what kind of a person he is. To never forget, you know, the people who have helped him get to this point. Alex Smith being one of those guys. Always nice to see from him. Uh, Fallon also asked about the AFC Championship game or the aftermath with. Tom Brady approaching him and what Brady said to him. Uh, during all the excitement of, of them, they won the game, and we were kind of just walking off the field after that, that heartbreaking loss at home. Uh, I didn't talk to him after the game. And so when I was kind of in the locker room, uh, walk, I was about to walk out, actually. He came in, and they got, got the security to let him in, and he just kind of said, man, he had a heck of a season. Uh, he knew he, he, he knows uh, what it's like to win a lot of big games. He knows what it's like to, to lose some big games. Not, not many, but a few. Yeah. And so, and so uh, he, he just said, man, you, you have to keep, keep grinding. He, he loved the way that I played, and uh, it, it, was, it was awesome for him to do that and uh, kind of show that uh, class at such an uh, exciting moment. No, that's amazing. I, I, love that, uh, I, I love that he did that. Uh, and, and you seem like a good guy. I mean, that's the first time meeting you, but I, I'm a fan. Uh, and even though you didn't win the, the championship, you won a lot of people's fantasy football championships. So I oh, want to yeah. thank you personally. Oh, yeah. Personally, I just oh, want yeah. to thank you for that. I saw some media outlets in Boston and a lot of national uh, media outlets. That is one of the uh, stories they picked up on in Mahomes' appearance with Jimmy Fallon, what Brady told him. Uh, obviously, Brady's a big figure in Mahomes. Uh, he became a big figure this year. So uh, anytime uh, you can have a story with those two, the national media, the, especially the sports national media, they're never going to miss an opportunity to write about it. So that was one of the things that the media wrote about the most from this interview. Now, the Kansas City media, their uh, biggest story was what I'm about to play next and you know, it, we knew about this uh, already because Lee Steinberg joined the podcast a couple of weeks ago and told us about this. But Mahomes uh, made it official and he launched his foundation, uh, which we thought was called Number 15 and the Mahomes. But instead, they're dropping the word number and they're calling it 15 and the Mahomes. And here was Patrick's uh, announcement of the foundation. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have a platform to start a great foundation called 15 and the Mahomes. Uh, it's a foundation that is designed all around kids, uh, kids from either underserved communities that don't get the same opportunities that I had whenever, whenever I was young, or kids that are in the hospital that have chronic illnesses or have suffered major injuries, because those kids are the ones that train harder than me by 100 times every single day. And I want to make sure I can give back to them in any shape, in any way, in order to get them the resources that they need to, to have an amazing life. That's amazing. That's why, that's why you're awesome, dude. I love this. 
called 15. Yeah, so it's called it's called 15 and the Mahomies. Uh, you can go to 15andthemahomies.org. Yeah, and exactly. uh, if you want to look into it and get some more information on it, uh, getting to launch it here and really excited for the future and what it, what it holds. Dude, we love you, man. Come back whenever uh, you're in town. Yeah, right, thank buddy? you. Appreciate it. Thank I you appreciate it. Patrick Mahomes, everybody. That's obviously really cool. And, you know, you saw Chris Jones. We talked about the recent story with him saying he wants to stay in KC. And uh, he was interviewed while uh, working at a, uh, at an event with the Special Olympics. And here's Mahomes doing everything he's doing. You know, we hear a lot of the, the terms stick to sports. But, man, let's be honest sometimes. You've got athletes out there like Mahomes and Jones. And I'm sure a lot of other athletes and celebrities as well who honestly are doing a lot more for kids with special needs, kids at risk, uh, or, or troubled kids, uh, far more than people who are, you know, the quote-unquote Secretary of Education, wanting to cut $18 million in uh, funds for Special Olympics, of course. Uh, thankfully, that was uh, turned down, probably due to outrage, but it's great to see Mahomes and jo- uh, Jones do these kinds of things, and of course, Mahomes with his um, with his website, he mentioned that, 15inthemahomies.org, so go check that out. Uh, I know he was also on Good Morning America uh, promoting that as well with Michael Strahan, of course, uh, who has a great relationship with a lot of the NFL players, so he gets them on. And he promoted that as well the following morning. By the way, on Fallon, uh, this this aired on April the 1st. It was also recorded on April the 1st. Uh, there was a, an actress from Game of Thrones. Uh, she was on before Mahomes, and she intentionally spoiled something. And there was just this awkward moment where they were like, oh, we can just... Cut that out, but it was an April Fool's prank. I kind of thought that was silly. I mean, at this point, you just know what's coming as an April Fool's. You just knew that. I mean, they kind of sold it to some people, but I just knew the entire time. Okay, it's an April Fool's joke. You you just know that they're not going to really give away anything. I know um, a, a lot of uh, actors from that show, they've been guests on a lot of late night shows, and they try to get something out of them, and they just can't, so... Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to that uh, this month, Game of Thrones, the final season of uh, of that great show. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Mahomes uh, obviously was on Fallon and, and great exposure. If I'm not mistaken, I think Mahomes is the first player since Dante Hall to go on a late night show. If you guys remember the year when Dante Hall went crazy with his uh, with his work as a kick returner in 2003, he appeared on Letterman, and I I don't think. Any other Chiefs player has appeared on late night on any of the late night shows since uh, since Dante Hall. Someone correct me if I'm wrong on that. By the way, I don't know if it's out there. Um, I, I never cared to look, but if anyone knows uh, of a list out there that has uh, the list of Chiefs players, uh, preferably active Chiefs. I know a former Chief in Lawrence Tynes. He went on Letterman uh, uh, after the after making those kicks uh, or missing a few kicks in the NFC uh, ch- championship game, but eventually getting one in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, the only players that come to my mind, Mahomes was on Fallon and Dante Hall and Lawrence Tynes. Uh, obviously Tynes did it while he was with the Giants were on Letterman. I'm not exactly sure how many Chiefs have been on those late night shows. I'd be intrigued to know if anyone has the answer to that. Or if anyone knows, uh, if there's a link out there that uh, that has that list. So, never thought of that. But that'd be cool to uh, look up at some point. Joining us on the Chiefs Zone Podcast right now, uh, a guy who I've been wanting to get on for quite a while. Uh, he is with 
the Chiefs Wire, which is part of the Wire's USA Today program, uh, Robert Rimson, uh, he's been doing a lot of great stuff over at the Chiefs Wire. Uh, of course, we've had Charles Goldman, the editor for the Chiefs Wire, this podcast a couple of times, and he's put out a lot of great tweets. If you're not following him on social media, you definitely need to. Go follow him on Twitter at rrimpsanity. It's spelled R-R-R-R-I-M-P-S-A-N-I-T-Y. And Robert, uh, generous to give us a few minutes of his time to talk about the Chiefs right now, some of their recent activities uh, with free agency and uh, trades, in fact. Uh, so we'll touch on that in just a moment with Robert and also some of the defensive players that he has noticed at the Combine and the, uh, a couple of the pro days that he has attended. So, Robert, welcome into the podcast. First time on here. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Fazan? Good, good. Hey, I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, you and I, we were talking about this just a little bit before the um, uh, before the podcast. I know you're still a, a college student at uh, uh, Florida A&M. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, graduating this May, May 3rd, uh, 6 p.m., be there, be square. I'm getting up out of here. Wait a minute. You're you're graduating on May 3rd? May 3rd, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Uh, my graduation wasn't until, like, mid-May, man. I mean, where you? When do you guys start school in Florida? Uh, we started the first week of January. At, well, I think January 7th is when we started back, so, yeah. Wow, you guys start really early. Man, when do you guys start in the fall? Um, in the fall, actually in the fall, we start kind of late. I remember my freshman year, I didn't start classes till August 28th, around that time. So it kind of fluctuates, I guess, depending on whenever they feel like having us back, you know? Well, you got a nice shout out from uh, Therese Paler on uh, Twitter. And I mean, yeah, yeah, we've had Therese on the podcast a couple of times. Really nice guy. But man, getting a shout out from him, that's... Uh, that's no uh, easy task right there, uh, and I can't remember exactly what the article was, but he has this thing that he calls the uh, all-juice team, which is basically the uh, upcoming rookies that he has. Uh, who was the player that you were highlighting? Uh, who, who did he uh, – which article was it that he retweeted? So it was a, uh, a, a profile I did on Notre Dame, or former Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams, who his nickname is actually the Juice Man, so you know, kind of no wonder that he was – one of the all juice candidates, you know, but yeah, I was really, when I seen that Therese had, you know, kind of highlighted my, uh, highlighted my story. I was so geeked out, man. I've been reading his work for so long and just get that kind of validation was like, it was, it was surreal. Yeah. Therese, Therese is awesome. He did a lot of great work at the Kansas city star. I still remember when he was covering the Missouri tigers and then got the chiefs gig. And then, uh, obviously doing some big things nationally with Yahoo Sports, still covering the Chiefs closely, but he really does deserve that national gig. Uh, but but uh, let's get into things with the Chiefs right now. And again, give Robert a follow on Twitter if you're not following him. He puts out a lot of great work. It's R Rimp Sanity on Twitter. Uh, let's start with the uh, biggest news uh, for the Chiefs earlier this week, which was the trade with the Cleveland Browns acquiring Emmanuel Ugba and trading away Eric Murray. Kind of a surprising move right there. I don't know if a lot of teams would have made that head-to-head move, but it's one the Browns wanted to make. Obviously, John Dorsey has a connection to Eric Murray drafting him here in Kansas City, but uh, from a Chiefs standpoint, Emmanuel Ugba, that's a guy that's really going to help Kansas City in this transition to the 4-3 defense. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that uh, on that acquisition right there of Ugba. So, Ugba... He's not he's not a guy that jumps off of the page, right? His highlights don't jump off the screen. But he's a guy that adds depth to the team, you know, especially at defensive end. 
when you get rid of a guy like Steve Ward and Justin Houston with the pass rush, you need to replace that with some sort of depth. And that's what I see Alex as. He started all 40 games for the Browns. Uh, what popped out to me is he's got a lot of pass deflections. I think he was like 12 or 14 in the three years he was with the Browns. So in that way, he kind of popped out to me. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't really pop off the screen for me. But adding depth is crucial, especially with the Kansas City uh, team that's looking to replace a good chunk of their pass rushing. I was watching uh, highlights of that Chiefs and Patriots AFC Championship game, and when the Chiefs in the second half started to cruise and make their way back into the game, I remember some of the defensive stops they got right after that touchdown, uh, that big pass to Sammy Watkins and that touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey in the defense. I believe it was a 3 and out that they forced it. I think it was Chris Jones who batted down a pass, who was very good at doing that too. You'll need more of that, especially with some of the quarterbacks that you're going to be facing in 2019. Obviously, you're going to face Tom Brady again. You can never take your divisional foes lightly. Uh, they're going to need that kind of uh, that, that that kind of activity from their defensive line. I'm kind of curious uh, with some of the acquisitions the Chiefs have made on defense, just with coaching and personnel. What are what is your take on the defense, and maybe specifically on the defensive line? Because Chris Jones, he's going to be going from defensive end to an uh, interior defensive line position, and you've got you've got Ugba and Alex Okafor. What are what are your thoughts on this defense right now? Um. So. Again, not a lot of star power we have anymore. Um, Eric Berry, Justin Houston, uh, D. Ford, none of those guys are around. So I think the Chiefs are replacing star power with depth, and I think that can go a long way. You know, a phrase you saw a lot uh, last year, especially among fans, was if we had an av- just an average defense, you know, we would be better off. And that's what we're starting to see that we have. We're getting a lot of guys that don't pop up, but are kind of average to above average players. Uh, Osba, Greenland, Speak, uh, Tyron Matthews obviously is a superstar, so he's the exception to the rule. But you're seeing where uh, Alex Okafor, just guys that um, are don't really pop off the page too much, but can but improves the defense, you know. So I'm I'm starting to see that we're I mean maybe purposefully are just like kind of aiming for that at least be average defense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I absolutely follow you. It, it, it's it's one of those things, man, where you know you you co-led the NFL on sacks, but you were 31st in total defense, yet you made it to the overtime period of the AFC Championship game. I've just never seen that from a defense. Yeah, I, and one thing I wanted to point out to people, like people were so upset that uh, we got rid of Houston and D Ford, and honestly, I, I didn't foresee us getting rid of both. I thought maybe one or the other, but it kind of makes sense when you see that we almost led the league in sacks, but we're still we're the 31st ranked defense. Like that doesn't add up. Something wasn't working and they had to make a big change. And, you know, it, of course there might be growing pains, but uh, when you, when you need big changes like this, this is kind of what it looks like. Well, I'll add this too, because yeah, you are a 31st ranked defense, but the few Big highlights on your defense, uh, D. Ford and Justin Houston. You, you you ended up parting ways with them, and I think a big part of this that fans uh, don't really have a, a lot of knowledge of is there was that business aspect. They were making a lot of money. D. Ford was due for a big payday. Justin Houston, I, I guess he was not willing to restructure that contract of his, and that was kind of tough for the Chiefs to take. So, uh, but 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 I really like the way this defense is going. I don't think you're necessarily better at the pass rushing uh, positions, the edge rushers, but you, you can still, it's still serviceable. It'll get you through. And people are hoping that even with 
the coaching changes alone, you can improve from that 31st-ranked defense. Uh, Robert, I want to get into... Uh, what you've seen at the Combine and what you've seen at Pro Days so far. Uh, but I do want to get into the linebackers for a moment because I feel like this is not getting discussed a whole lot. I feel like the defensive line is kind of overshadowing uh, the, the linebacking conversation right now. You have uh, Reggie Ragland, who never has played a regular season game, if I'm not mistaken, in the 4-3 defense. But he has practiced that defense as an outside linebacker with the Buffalo Bills. Um uh, uh, Anthony Hitchens has played in the 4-3 defense as an outside linebacker. You brought in, uh, and his name escapes my mind right now, from uh, from Dallas, uh, Damian Wilson, uh, who has experience uh, as an outside linebacker. A lot of people people are talking about Dorian O'Daniel, who could have a bigger hand on this defense right now. What do you think of that middle linebacker spot? Because that seems like the biggest question mark to me right now. Um, I think it's definitely a need we need to fill, um, especially switching to the 4-3 like we are. Uh, like I said, the most important thing we can have, especially when it comes to the linebacker position, is depth. You want to be able to have a nice rotation of guys. Uh, I think, I do predict this year that Anthony Hitchens will sort of maybe not completely earn his contract, but do a lot better than he did last year. Like, if you see what he was just not uh, this past year, but the year before with Dallas and when he was with Kansas City, it's like night and day. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Kansas City was running a different system. So I feel like Anthony Hitchens will maybe earn his pay around this uh, around this year. But I definitely think in a linebacker, I don't foresee us taking a linebacker in the first round, but maybe in the second round, third round kind of thing if we really like a guy. Because a lot of the teams, uh, the Chiefs' main theme this year has been finding a guy that fits our scheme. You look at Okafer and Ozba. Like, they decided to take them over D Ford, and I feel like it's mainly because of scheme fit. By the way, before we go into uh, some draft talk, uh, I just remembered this. Uh, going back to the Eric Murray trade, uh, was it you that asked John Dorsey if he's interested in any of the uh, Chiefs that have been recently getting cut? You, and you and you recently retweeted that. I guess, So, John Dorsey, I guess he kind of gave you this tone where, like, hey, that's a dumb question. But what exactly did he say? What exactly was your question? Well, my question was, uh, did he have any interest in any other Chiefs player? Obviously, Kareem Hunt, a former Chief. So, and a lot of guys obviously were chattering about that. Like, uh, Kareem Hunt was technically John Dorsey's kind of guy, you know? Uh, he, was, he was there. Uh, John Dorsey was around. So... I was like, okay, is there any other Chiefs players that you're interested in, maybe? And he just kind of shut me down. It was like, oh, no, I just, uh, I'm not allowed to talk about other teams. Uh, I would like to talk about the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I, I understand, you know, wanting to keep things on lock or whatever, but, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was a little embarrassing. So it was nice to get kind of, you know, uh, validated in a sense, you know. Are you a UFC fan at all? Uh, UFC, I am. I'm actually a pretty big UFC fan. I mean, I don't follow as closely as I should, but I definitely, whenever I can catch a, a pay-per-view, I definitely uh, I definitely do. Yeah, the reason I ask, I'm a huge UFC fan, and it's almost like Dana White, who's the president of the UFC, you ask him a question that's actually a fair and really valid question. Dana White gets upset and shuts it down, yet that question actually proves some validation as time goes on. It, it just kind of, I, I kind of chuckled with that. That was pretty funny. Uh, and you obviously had a sense of humor with that when you brought that up recently. So that was, I mean, that was... I, I, and I understand, you know, not wanting to give your hand away or anything like that, but you know, I, I definitely had to, uh, kind of uh, do my victory lap as they say 
Robert Remsen of the Chiefs Wire is here with us on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Okay, this is the part where I really wanted to pick your brain the most because you and Charles, again, Charles is a good friend of the podcast. He's been on here a couple of times. You guys put out a lot of great work on social media with some of the players that you guys came across at the Combine. I know you've attended a couple of the pro days. Uh, obviously, defense is still a big priority for Kansas City in this upcoming draft. I'm, I, this is kind of an open-ended question that I'll let you kind of take control of this conversation. Uh, is there a is there a defensive player, maybe one or two defensive players that you think the Chiefs could target uh, that you thought that you were pretty impressed with uh, at the combine and at pro days? Yes, um, as far as the combine, so in the combine we did watch you know some of their numbers or whatever. But what I was really paying attention to was like the interviews because uh, that's where a lot of guys really earn their mer- uh, earn their money, so to speak. You know, Baker Mayfield he shot from like a mid first round pick to you know, number one overall because of interviews, you know. It, it wasn't like his combine numbers blew everybody out of the water. But with that in mind, uh, some guys that stuck out to me is on um, the defensive end. Uh, Taylor Rapp, I believe, of Washington. He's a safety. He's a guy that really stuck out to me and I think would be a great fit for Kansas City. Uh, last time we picked a secondary guy from Washington, his name was Marcus Peters, and he turned out pretty great, you know. So I can definitely see in there. I think there are a couple of um, – there are a couple of mocks out there that have the Chiefs taking him at 29. Um, I don't know where he is on McShay's big board. Um, I'm not sure, but Taylor Rapp is a guy. Uh, DeAndre Baker, huge, huge fan of DeAndre Baker. Um, his interview didn't, uh, you know, super stick out to me at all. But when you watch his tape, and his combine numbers didn't, you know, blow anybody out of the water. But if you watch his tape, he's a perfect guy for Kansas City. Didn't get thrown. His side didn't go thrown to a lot in college, but when it did, you see why they didn't throw to him a lot. Uh, just fantastic guy. I, if I had to pick one guy that the Chiefs need to take in the draft this year, it would be DeAndre Baker. That would be my pick. You know, I, because the Chiefs are very active this off season with free agency. Uh, I keep asking uh, my followers on Facebook. Uh, you know, what do you think of of the acquisitions right now and what do you think the Chiefs will do in the draft and we had one commenter Troy who made a very interesting comment and said that the Chiefs uh, bold prediction from him that they'll actually trade up and I said look not maybe not the most agreeable comment but it's also not out of the realm of possibilities let's not let's not forget the Chiefs have three second round picks in 2019 and 2020 combined so uh there there are so actually no uh, uh four uh I apologize yeah uh they they have their own for 2020 ne- next year. I forgot about that. Uh, they got the uh, second round pick from D4. But anyway, the, the point is, there is some flexibility. They can make some moves. Uh, do you anticipate them trading up, or do you think that they're going to stay where they are at 29? Uh, I think they stay where they are, to be honest with you. But here's the thing about Brett Feech. If he likes you, he's one way or another. We saw that uh, with uh, Tyron Matthew this past offseason. We saw it with Sammy Watkins. Uh, we saw it with Anthony Hitchens. Like, if Beach likes you, he's going to get you however he wants to get you. You see what I'm saying? So if he really just absolutely falls in love with the guy in the draft and he has to straight up to get him, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially, like you said, we have plenty of assets to do it. Do I see a guy in the draft that maybe we could do that for? Uh, maybe if. Brett Beach falls in love with Josh Allen. That makes a lot of sense. You know, he used to be, I mean, Chiefs new linebacker coach Matt House, he used to be in his system, and he thrived in it. 
So maybe that's a guy that we might be able to trade up for if need be. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't really see a guy that we would do that for, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. You know, the Chiefs have been so busy with their defensive additions, and I would not rule out uh, maybe one more before the draft, but it kind of gets me wondering, the more they continue to add on defense, do you think there is maybe at, at the very least a slim possibility that they surprise us and go offense in the first round, or do you think there's no chance at all in that they're going to go fully defense on the first round? Uh, it's, it's definitely – me and Charles actually talked about this uh, while we were at the Combine, especially after seeing T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant in their interviews and how they performed at the Combine. And we're just like, I mean, if they're available at 29, I mean, it would be hard to pass them up. Um, I don't know. I personally don't think so. I think the defense was such a glaring uh, – such a glaring hole, such a glaring – weakness that they would have no choice like there would be riots in Kansas City if they didn't take a defensive guy in the first round um I don't know but I think I mean who knows honestly with Brett Beach uh, no one knows exactly what he's going to do but I definitely if it's going to be a first round guy I think it would have to be Noah Fan. like it would have to be that kind of tight end guy that's like we can't believe he slipped this far we got to go with our board you see what I'm saying That'll be interesting because, uh, you know, as great as the offense was, it's just why not keep that firepower going as much as possible? I mean, we'll see what happens with the whole Tyreek Hill deal, but it appears like for now he's safe. But again, we, we can't be for sure on that. But yeah, it, it is a very tough situation. The the good news is the Chiefs, even though, though they're late second round picks, you got two of them. And this Chiefs team has always proven that they can find guys outside the first round. Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Charles. Uh, they, yeah, they, they, they've got a great history of that. So uh, it's not the end-all, be-all if you don't have a first round. By the way, I mentioned Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill. Uh, have you ever been to the Chiefs draft party at the uh, Arrowhead practice facility? I actually have not. I've not been able to go to one of those. If you ever get the chance, it's a, it's a fun time. Uh, I went in 2008. My dad, I was in high school at the time. My dad took a friend and I there. And that was the year that the Chiefs got Glenn Dorsey, which everyone was excited about until he started playing. Uh, and then uh, Brandon Albert uh, a few picks later. Uh, so a lot. Of, it was a pretty good time. People stuck around even after the first pick because there was another pick. But I remember that 2016 draft uh that 2016 draft because the Chiefs had, I think, the 28th pick, and they traded out of the first round. And it's just all those poor fans who stayed for hours, they didn't even get to celebrate a a draft pick. So uh, that, that's kind of a fear of mine uh, because the Chiefs are picking so late. Fans are going to be there for hours, and if they're on the clock, then they trade. I mean, and I, I think it's – I mean, not that it breaks the bank or anything, but 8 bucks uh, per ticket and plus all that time there – I mean, it's it's it, you, you want to you want to celebrate the occasion. So hopefully the Chiefs do pick up somebody. Uh, hey Robert, uh, before I let you go, uh, give us a little bit some of your work that you may be uh, having coming up at uh, the Chiefs Wire. Uh, how can people find you on social media if, if you're if you're out there outside of Twitter? Uh, let us know a little bit about you. What kind of work you've got coming up on the Chiefs Wire for fans to look forward to? Um, so Chiefs Wire, basically Chiefs Wire is about to be in full draft mode, pre-draft. During the draft, post-draft mode, uh, I'm going to be working with Charles and the rest of the crew, putting out that great content, uh, getting up some mocks out. Uh, like Frazine said, you can follow me on Twitter at rrimpsanity. That's R-R-I-M-P-S-A-N-I-T-Y. 
I T Y. You can also follow me on Instagram. Uh, let me pull up my at real quick. At Ripsanity underscore R R I M P S A N I T Y. Um, I also, if you, I would really appreciate if you guys checked out that Dexter Williams article that I wrote for the Chiefs Wire. Uh, it got the Therese Taylor seal of approval, so you know it's good. Go ahead and check that out. And uh, that's all. Just go ahead and check out ChiefsWire.com. We've got amazing content coming up, especially for the draft. Hey, I'll go ahead and put, put that article uh, on Dexter Williams on my Facebook page as well. That way people can uh, can check it out. Again, make sure you follow Robert on social media. And again, his Twitter handle is rr. Uh, or rather, our Rimp Sanity on Twitter. Hey, Robert, uh, appreciate you coming on. A lot of great stuff from you. We'll definitely keep in touch and have you on sometime after the draft. Uh, thanks again for making time for us here on the podcast. Oh, no problem. This is like this is my first, you know, appearance on a, on a podcast outside of the Chiefs Wire. So, you know, you, once I become a big deal, you know, you 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 can say you got me first. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, hey, well, I'll definitely keep following you, and uh, I'm sure you're going to do some great stuff uh, with your uh, journalism career as you go forward. Hey, keep keep working hard, because uh, uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff, go to the combine and interview players that at the age that you're doing, I, I was fortunate I got to do some of that stuff at a young age as well, but not many people get that opportunity. So you're doing all the good stuff and all the right things. So uh, keep it up, and I'll, I'm sure you're going to do some good things down the road. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Robert. Take care, man. Appreciate it. All right, you too. There you have it, Robert Rimson joining us here on the Chief Zone Podcast. A big thanks to him for making some time for us. Uh, a lot of great stuff. And again, if you haven't, uh, please give him a follow on Twitter and check out his work on the Chiefs Wire. There's a lot of great stuff on there, as uh, he does with Charles Goldman and the rest of the crew over at the Chiefs Wire. Uh, and obviously, we like having those guys on. And I'm sure we'll have uh, both Charles and Robert on again sometime in the future. So go check it out if you haven't already. A big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Make sure you find me on social media, facebook.com slash Vesugian. That is our Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. I appreciate all the discussions that we've got going on on the Facebook page. You guys have been doing a tremendous job with that all off-season long. Uh, we obviously had a great season with that, and you guys are continuing that in the off-season. So thank you guys for that. Let's keep doing that. Again, facebook.com slash Vesugian. You can follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, more discussion on there as well. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. And make sure you are hitting the share button as well and spreading the word out to... All of your friends who are Chiefs fans and non-Chiefs fans as well. Uh, we welcome uh, every NFL fan on the podcast. So make sure you spread the word as well. Greatly appreciated if you guys do that. Once again, big thanks to you guys for listening. Big thanks to Robert Rimson for joining us. We will be back on Monday to go over some NFL news, any Chiefs updates, any Chiefs news that comes till then. And given how active the Chiefs have been this offseason, uh... Odds are there's a chance that uh, maybe we do get uh, uh, some sort of Chiefs news to discuss. If not, hey, uh, there's always something to talk about with this Chiefs team, especially this month with uh, with the draft coming up very quickly. So we'll have a lot to talk about. That will be on Monday's show. We'll have the closing segments as well. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you on Monday. <laughs>